Everything that is first begins with an idea. So as good parents, where should our ideas about child-rearing come from? In the Bible, Romans 12.2 admonishes us not to conform to the patterns of this world, but rather to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, this scripture isn't just applicable to how we parent our kids, but also to how we conduct our affairs for all areas of life. Unfortunately, however, the ways of the world have influenced the minds of way too many Christians today. Sadly, even those within Bible-believing evangelical churches. In fact, rarely realizing it, many Christian parents are raising their kids to actually acquire appetites, habits, even addictions for the fodder of our toxic culture. Consequently, our kids are processing thought, truth, and reality no differently than the rest of today's secular, politically correct, and yes, postmodern thinking world, too often yielding the same disastrous results as the rest of our culture. Today, we'll be talking about raising kids without falling victim to the seven toxic ideas polluting your mind. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long, wilderness-based, Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host on Licensed to Parent is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rossell. And Trace, you often talk about the negative influences and effects of today's toxic culture on the ideologies, the attitudes, and the behaviors of today's kids as being a disorder, in fact, you've coined the term ATD, American Teenage Disorder. Yeah. But if I'm not mistaken, those are the same negative cultural influences that are being imposed on parents these days and yielding some of the same devastating effects. I am wondering mm-hmm. if you're going to come up with a new term, but but <laughs> what, what's going on here? Well, it's definitely affecting how we raise our kids. Yeah. Uh, but it's been my experience that, that kids very often seem... Uh, to understand this and accept it even more readily than their parents once they're made aware of it. Yeah. And, and that could be just my experience since, you know, I regularly see kids, you know, growing by leaps and bounds by virtue of the fact that they're here at Shepherd's Hill for a year and, and learning what they're learning, experiencing what they're experiencing. Uh, but way too many parents are, are totally unaware of just how much our culture has affected them as parents. Uh, they seem to be able to justify exposing uh, themselves and their kids uh, too much of the same garbage that they know is harmful, uh, but they too often think that God's admonition in Scripture doesn't apply to them as adults. Unfortunately, they too often pay the price for it, then later wonder what the heck happened to my my life, you know, or my family, or my kids. Yeah, uh, you, Rich, you would not believe the number of Christian parents who buy their kids their booze. Uh, buy into all kinds of worldly thinking mm-hmm. and ideologies, including giving their kids pornography to make men out of them. Uh, or even condoms to go out on dates. And sadly, they'll watch programs like The Game of Thrones with their kids and think nothing of it. Get them set up for abortions. <laughs> and of course, you know, I haven't yet mentioned all the parents who just carte blanche give them smartphones that they have unlimited access to uh, every pervert under the sun. Uh, guys like Larry Flint and Hugh Hefner and Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy even. Um, but Beyond all the violence, the foolishness, the sin, and the vice out there on the internet, there are also seemingly innocuous ideologies that fly in the face of biblical teachings that help tee up our kids, that lead them to believe still other things. And before you know it, you and your kids and your entire family are exposed to things and engaging in things that pollute your own hearts and 
and grieve the very heart of God. But over time, we've been so conditioned and indoctrinated by, by all these things that we just don't see the problem with it anymore. It's kind of like the frog in the boiling water. And too many of our kids never have seen the problem with it because they were born into it. Sometimes we allow things into our lives because we don't, we don't want to be considered legalistic by the church or sure. intolerant by the world. In essence, we're just covering our own backsides and satisfying our own carnal desires for the sake of being amused and entertained. We seem to know nothing about dying to self anymore. And then we moan because God doesn't answer our prayers. I mean, God's not going to endorse sin or foolishness. But we have this unconscious uh, or naive notion that we can live like hell, allow our kids to live like hell, and then expect heaven for a reward. Mm, yeah. God's ecosystem does not work that way. Uh, but I've already said too much. So let's, <laughs> let's let today's guest get us up to speed on some of the more specific ways we've knowingly or unknowingly sold out to pop culture's way of thinking and how we've let naive, unscrupulous, overrated, and undervetted people and entities lead us around by our noses, and then redefine terms that we should have never allowed to be tampered with. Yeah, let me go ahead and introduce today's guest. Anthony Salvaggio is an author, he's a lecturer, a lawyer, and he's the brand new senior pastor of Rochester Christian Reformed Church in Rochester, New York. Now, in addition to serving in the ministry, he has also previously served as a visiting professor at Ottawa Theological Hall in Ottawa, Canada, and as an adjunct professor at the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's written nine books and edited several more, in fact, but we've invited him to talk to us today about one of those books he wrote entitled Seven Toxic Ideas Polluting Your Mind. It's published by PNR Publishing. Anthony Salvaggio lives in Rochester, New York with his wife, Michelle, and they have two children, Catherine and James. Well, I'll tell you what, Rich. If uh, if I hire a lawyer, I'm going to make sure he's a pastor, too. So. As long as we're not being charged by the hour exactly. for this interview, I think exactly. we're fine. Anthony, welcome to License to Parent. Thanks so much for being with us. Yes, I, uh, I, uh, I'm not charging by the hour. I, as I've often uh, joked that I had to... Um become a, a pastor to make up for being a lawyer. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you did. We're glad you did. Well, what ideas have, have parents bought into, uh, ideas of the world that uh, is hindering their ability to raise their kids with a biblical worldview and, and uh, reap the harvest of, of that? What, what kind of ideas have, have we bought into like that? Well, I think some of the things that would impact uh, our roles as parents, particularly the, are the ones that I identify I think you have to look at uh, technology. We can talk about that. Uh, you can look at relativism uh, and the idea of where we're getting our truth from and what we, what we subscribe and sure. submit to as an authority is a huge one. Thought and ideas, conceptual things, influence and impact our behavior. That can happen personally for each of us as, as Christians. It can happen on a culture-wide basis as well. We think of ideas like communism and, and the impact that's had across the, the past century and the, the millions of lives that were uh, lost uh, to that type of idea. And it, it gets to this point that for Christians, we so often focus on the end product of behavior and trying to regulate, uh, prevent, and correct it that we forget that all of our behavior begins in a conceptual form in our thought life. And that's why the Apostle Paul wants us to renew our minds and to transform our minds to have the mind of Christ and not the mind of the world. Yeah. 
I know that in Scripture, idolatry has always been the first and the worst and I guess the most consistent sin, at least for Old Testament Israel. It's first on the list of the Ten Commandments, and coincidentally, you have it at the top of your list also. How do you see idolatry? And and we are all guilty, I think, of making idols out of all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. How do you see that working in the home of the unsuspecting Christian today? Yeah, I think the real point I want to emphasize is when we think of idolatry, most of us uh, consider uh, the Old Testament examples of some type of physical object that is worshipped, to which we give our time and our attention, our talent, our treasure, our devotion. And I guess what I'm trying to emphasize in this book is that ideas themselves, uh, things that we give ourselves over to in our minds, is a form of idolatry if it is something contrary to what Christ has called us uh, to exhibit and do in, in our lives. So I want people to start uh, thinking about it. it. doesn't necessarily have to be a tangible object. Most of us are not susceptible to that type of idolatry any longer, but boy, are we steeped in a, in a, you know, in a stew of, of idolatry of ideas. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. The Asherah poles and all that stuff probably would have had some kind of technology involved in it. Uh, had technology been uh, prominent back in the day, but... Um, but what are some of the things that, that parents can inadvertently turn into idols uh, beyond technology that might affect the, the parent-child relationship? Yeah, I think that if you uh, look at that, I mean, the, the, the risk of some type of where you're drawing your uh, guidance from, I mean, your GPS, if you will, your spiritual mm-hmm. GPS, yeah. as far as where are your principles coming from that you are employing in raising your children? You know, the Bible has, uh, in some ways, people look at the Bible, well, it says, you know, children obey your parents. It's not very much specific. Uh, you know, open up the book of Proverbs. Everything yeah. in that book is as relevant today as when it was first uh, uh, penned and assembled. It's amazing. The topics of what impacts our lives and the lives of our children uh, is, is the issues of wisdom and uh, of wealth, of relationships, uh, of sexuality, uh, all of the things, even the use of things and, and moderation and use of things is addressed in that, in that book. What we do and say, uh, our language, our, our discussion, the use of how we talk to one another, and you can apply all of that wisdom to things like social media. Sure. You know, and all those rules still apply. And I think sometimes yep. the problem we have in our culture is uh, people are applying different rules to these technological developments than they would in personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people will say things uh, through technology that they would never say face-to-face. That's true. Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, things as common as food and, and, and uh, clothes, sports, video games, I think all that stuff can be uh, turned into idols. But I hear parents all the time tell me this. Junior is the most important thing in my life. And so my question to you is, is it possible to make an idol out of our own kid? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad you uh, raised that. I think that is a, a major problem and concern that we have. And it starts, you know, I, I have, uh, as an attorney, I, I, you know, was, I did estate planning work. And, you know, when someone, the older families that had numerous children, it was kind of hard to make an idol of your child. Mm-hmm. All right, and now yeah. when everyone has you know, 2.1 kids, you know, Good point. Uh, it's it's 
And it, so what's happening is that we run this risk. You know, this is the helicopter parent issue. This is the the fact that we we are pouring much more into the children to the extent that I think we do have to assess ourselves. And am I making my my child an idol? You know, and you see it a lot in context of, and this goes to the individualism and egalitarianism that I raise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have, and this is happening even on college levels, where parents will go in and, you know, their child is always right. The authority yeah. structure in the school or in the higher higher and institution of higher education that they're clearly wrong because there's nothing. My child is basically without sin, and it must right. be the other person's problem. Yeah, I hear parents all the time. You know, we have to call a family in or talk to them about this or that or the other. And uh, rather than just taking our word for the fact that there's an issue we have to talk about here, sometimes the first word out of their mouth is, what did you do to precipitate this? And it's like, whoa. But you're hearing this from public school teachers a lot, uh, that, you know, junior gets in trouble at school, the teacher's in the hot seat. Well, I got in trouble in school, and when I did, I got in trouble at home, too. The teacher was never on the hot seat. And I, I think that uh, we have made idols out of our kids in, in, in too many cases. I think it's a grossly overlooked aspect of parenting today. And I, I, I have to say that God never has, he never will uh, bless a situation where Junior is more important than God is. And I like what our friend John Roseman said. He says, you know, we got to raise your kids with the rest of the culture in mind. That kid's going to become a teenager someday. And a, and a lot of the problem is that parents start with this type of thing 15 years and 200 pounds too late. Can well, you, I, you have any thoughts on that? I, I think real quick part of that is that we as parents are failing to raise adults. We view it that we are raising children. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. as long as we're raising children, then what's going to what's going to be at the end of that eighteen year trip? Right, a big child. Yeah. And, yeah. and well, that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you definitely see that. Of you know you know that the you now you have being adult as a verb. Right, I'm 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 adulting now. I'm acting <laughs> yeah. as an adult. And and you know I think this is one advantage I think for Christians to be thinking about it as a way to be countercultural mm-hmm. and to I, I think you know on a pure practical benefit. If you look at employers who are struggling with uh, younger people coming into the workforce and carrying over some of those same behavioral issues, you know, into the workplace, the better you prepare your child to be an independent adult and to be able to be uh, a self-advocate and to be able to handle and be responsible for themselves and what's around them, you think they are going to be so advantaged in, in the workplace and the marketplaces of our culture because so many children are not prepared to be responsible for themselves, and that's being you know, obviously delayed and delayed uh, right. to older years. So it behooves us as Christian parents not only to glorify Christ by doing this, but just for practical purposes of giving our children an advantage in this world. Yeah, and there's terms for that, failure to launch, Peter Pan males. I mean, on and on uh, it goes. But we're up on a break. And, uh... <laughs> and we will continue in a moment. We're talking today with Anthony Salvaggio. He's uh, the new senior pastor of Rochester Christian Reformed Church in Rochester, New York, but also the author of the book we've been discussing, Seven Toxic Ideas Polluting Your Mind. Incidentally, we've barely tipped the scale in getting into this, but uh, those ideas include idolatry, technopoly, neophilia, egalitarianism, individualism, materialism, consumerism, 
relativism and more isms than we will probably be able to cover on this program, but we'll be back to find out more when License to Parent continues. Stay with us. Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherd's Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You can find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And while there, remember that you can check out some of the past conversations we've had with other guests of interest talking about parenting and how we can be intentional in the way we raise our children or, more appropriately, in the way we raise the future adults of this country. Our guest on today's program is Anthony Salvaggio. He's a lecturer, a lawyer, and the brand-new senior pastor of the Rochester Christian Reformed Church in Rochester, New York. And he's author of a number of books, including the one we're talking about today, Seven Toxic Ideas Polluting Your Mind. Anthony, could each of the next six uh, uh, toxic ideas be considered forms of idolatry also? And if so, how so? Yeah, I certainly think so. I mean, if we want to go through them each one by one, the uh, so the technology area, which I call technopoly, oh, which good. comes from Neil Postman, who talked about, you know, this is not uh, an anti-technology view. Okay, there are so sure. many benefits. We we are, you know, the blessing of your ministry is made possible through uh, through the gift of, of technology. Uh, so, but what we're talking about here is when that so dominates your life. And when you allow it to lead you away from Christ, when you're directing its use to a purpose that's contrary to, to the kingdom, uh, it can be devastating. In our culture, we are, we are there. It's happening oh, with such rapidity. 
Yeah. I, I, I just saw a study the other day that the average adult looks at their cell phone 80 times a day. I mean, I can't imagine what that would be for a teenager. And, and seeing that type of, you know, we're giving ourselves over to this thing. Yeah. And what, what is that doing to us? And we're not even aware of it as it's happening to yeah, us. Yeah, it's programming us. There's no doubt about that. Uh, can you suggest any wise tech protocol for healthy home use? Yeah, I think particularly you need to think about what are the most damaging elements uh, of this. And, and I really think that the, the social media access should be something parents think about very carefully. Uh, and to, I would say, delay that as long as possible because that um, is uh, such a dangerous area for a developing young mind uh, to be involved in and the damage that can do uh, to them. So uh, that would be an area where I think parents need to think about it. And I really think that, you know, the issue of the age level of when you think a child should have a cell phone. Now, people are going to come to different determinations about this, but you know, in my own life as a parent, I'm you know, I, my daughter just got a cell phone. It's one of those ones that's not a smartphone. Good for uh, you. I want her to have. She's 14 years old. I want her to be able to call. You know, she if she has either needs a ride home or whatever. Absolutely. But she doesn't need to have access to you know Twitter and Facebook right. and you know the entire internet on it. So there's things like that. You know, and I'm not perfect on this. I don't claim to have all the answers and I have had failures in this area in my own, uh, being as a parent and sure. I've, you know, I've had to go back on things like, Oh wow, I let that, you know, that creeped up on me. I didn't even know that that was there. And, um, so it's a constant, but, but the, the key is to start being, we just can't go along with this, uh, and do what everyone else is doing. So glad to hear you say that I, you say delayed as long as possible. Uh, it wasn't an issue with my older kids, but, uh, my youngest one is now almost 20, and I delayed it 19 years. As, 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 wow. long, as long as you're under my roof, I want you to have a smartphone. She's been operating, uh, I mean, a cell phone. She's been operating cell phones since she's been eight years old. But a smartphone, that's an adult yeah. toy. And that's something that, uh, you know, when you move out and pay your own bills, I don't have to stand before God and say, this is what I put you in front of. Yeah, I yeah think, you think about it. You can't, you can't buy, you know, certain items in our culture, you know, either cigarettes or, right. or whatever to a certain age, but you, you could give, you know, a, a 10-year-old a cell phone. No, these are addictive. <laughs> yeah, these are addictive toys. You can't pull the lever on a slot machine until you're 21 in most states. So, well, and, and I think one of the dangers that we may be overlooking even here on the program sometimes is, is, I mean, we talk about all this quite a lot, but the, the the dangers that I think parents immediately jump to is, oh, I don't want my child to have access to pornography. Oh, I don't want my child to have access to, I don't know, insert something else here. But really, it's the ideologies that are flooding Facebook and flooding mm -hmm. Reddit and yep. flooding all the social media. That are justifying all that stuff. Yeah, and, and that most filters can do nothing about mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. they, they're not using words that are inappropriate necessarily. It's mm -hmm. it's the constructs that are inappropriate, yeah. the ideology. And as, as we pointed out at the beginning, ideas have consequences. And these are not consequences that most thinking adults would want to pass on to their mm -hmm. kids. Yeah. Uh, shifting gears here just a little bit, music and worship. I mean, you're a pastor. Music and worship have always been topics of controversy in the church, uh, particularly in recent years. Uh, as parents and as children of God ourselves, how do we distinguish the difference between worship and entertainment? <laughs> 
Well, you, you've just uh, touched upon uh, the, the worship wars that are going on in every church, and mm-hmm. you know, in the in our culture, and, and you see this. Um, I can't tell you how many people I interview and talk to who uh, make a decision on where they go to church based on worship style and mm-hmm. leave churches because of it. Uh, you know, I am a. I guess I I have always been on the traditional end of that spectrum, and I and I realize that uh, I I have come to appreciate other forms of worship. I think you have to ask yourself, you know, as you analyze things um, in, in the content of the of the songs, you know, who is the subject and object of what's being said? You know, is is this really a glorifying God or is it? about me, you know, am I thinking about myself? And, uh, and then I, I think you, you have to look at what it's doing to you as far as formation. You know, is this really deepening my understanding of who God is? Is it uh, leading me to a, a stronger spiritual uh, commitment to Christ in my life? Because worship forms people. And it has an impact, just like any other type of thing that we uh, give ourselves over to or consume. And so we need to look at it critically. And to analyze that um, from a biblical perspective. Mm-hmm. So, so in your church, are you doing it the right way or the <laughs> wrong way? I'm just, just not... of course, we're doing it the right way. <laughs> not everybody would agree with that. But, but, it it is interesting that in a lot of churches, there's been sort of a resurgence of um, well, it, it, there's been a desire to rethink worship, and I and I'm meaning this in the best of ways because. With the contemporary worship styles that are so prevalent now, a lot of churches are realizing that those styles of singing, for example, don't lend themselves to congregational singing nearly as much as they do to a soloist on Mm -hmm. stage, you know, kind of singing and everybody being in the moment. But uh, they don't all necessarily call us as a group to sing together to the glory of God. So, yeah, that's that's a debate that could last for years and yeah. really yeah. is well beyond the, the this conversation. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. Uh, we, we have regular conversations about the, the power of music and how it influences our, our, particularly our kids, but even us as adults. Anthony, we are out of time, brother. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on, on the broadcast, and uh, uh, I, I wish you well with your book, uh, The Toxic Ideas Polluting Your Mind. Anthony Savaggio. And Anthony, tell us where people can get this book, uh, through your website or uh, through one of the online retailers or what? Well, it's a good uh, advocate against uh, Technopoly. I don't, even, I don't have a website, so the, uh, you can get it, though, through a- Amazon has it, and, of course, through PRP um, uh, Publishing. Um, uh, Presbyterian Reform Publishing also has it on their website, but through Amazon or other any other uh, book dealer would have it. Excellent. Well, again, we've been talking today with Anthony Salvaggio. He's a lecturer, a lawyer, and the brand-new senior pastor of the Rochester Christian Reformed Church in Rochester, New York, author of, I believe, nine books at uh, latest count and editor of a few more, uh, including the book that we are talking about today, Seven Toxic Ideas Polluting Your Mind, and again, available online through uh, PR Publishing and uh, through Amazon. Uh, and that is our time today. Anthony, thanks again. We appreciate it. God bless yeah, thank you, sir. you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And of course, this is Licensed to Parent, and you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And remember that the work we do here on Licensed to Parent is an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. 
you can help that work continue through your tax-deductible gift that keeps this radio program on the air and provides scholarships to families who can't afford residential care, enabling them to get the help they need for a teen who may be one step away from the grave or from jail. Please help today. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and then click the Donate button at the top of the page. Again, that's LicensedToParent.org, and thanks in advance. The need is so great here as we reach the end of the year. Our program coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trey Sembry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us, and then join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.